What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you were going to pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what uh, okay. hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. of wrestling that's been able to call a big time main event match like Jim Ross. And folks, this is what our business is all about. He just has that ability to connect with our fans. JL makes you hurt, makes you cry, makes you yell. You can tell that everything he says truly comes from his heart. There's nobody that I would rather have call my match than Jim Ross. Feel his passion for this business. The passion comes through because it's genuine. Where else can you feel this and be a part of something this special? His voice is plastered on so many great moments over the years. You can feel his emotion and you get caught up in his emotion. Cena has walked through hell. You can't contain it. The show-stopping spirit of Shawn Michaels lives. He's got an amazing gift. A lot of people are good, but very few people get great. He's great. Him doing announcing is what he was put on earth for. God, I love this job! I've often heard Jim say, you know, well, Gordon Soley was the best. And I'll look Jim Ross right in the eye and tell him, you're as good as Gordon Soley ever was. But there's just nobody better than Jim Ross. Austin and the champion! This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, brought to you today and powered by the IRW Network. Head on over to IRWNetwork.com and check out the brand new Triple Threat podcast featuring the franchise Shane Douglas and John and myself, the two-man power trip of wrestling, streaming live on IRWNetwork.com 
And you can check out episodes number one through five and hear some of the most controversial statements to come out of the franchise Shane Douglas to date as we tackle in episode five, President Donald Trump versus the big bad world of fake news and CNN. And get on over to IRWnetwork.com to hear that episode as well as episodes number one through five. And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only John Paz. And John, today for episode number 283, we welcome back one of our favorites, another WWE Hall of Famer and a former guest of ours, good old JR, Jim Ross, joins today's program and we are here to talk about the big icons of wrestling convention coming back to Philadelphia on Saturday, August 12, 2017 at the 2300 Arena. The next installment of the Icons of Wrestling will feature a headlining cast of some of the greatest to ever step through the ropes, but our feature guest Jim Ross as well as Jerry the King Lawler will be having a once-in-a-lifetime photo opportunity at the ECW Arena for fans in attendance, and we are so excited to be a part of this great event, and we are so excited to be working with good old JR, Jim Ross, who, like I said, is today's guest. And man, oh man, is there so much to talk about with Jim Ross. Obviously, anytime you can get him on, and we've had him on once before, about two years ago, where we talked about his life after WWE, and we took a walk down memory lane, and we kind of talked about some of his best moments and yada, 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 the same stuff that we do go over in all of our interviews, but it was really cool because he was kind of fresh off of that WWE release, maybe about a year or so uh, out of WWE, so he was just starting to get into the outside world and doing different appearances, and he was doing a lot of media, he just signed on with Fox Sports, and now to talk to him two years later, and it's come full circle, and he's got this amazing relationship with Axis Television and New Japan Pro Wrestling, and now even crazier that he's back with the WWE and doing some spot announcing, some spots on the network, and gosh, I mean, we can't even imagine some of the stuff that's going to be coming down the pike between WWE and JR because they finally embraced this man for what he is, and that is the greatest announcer in the history of professional wrestling. And you will get nothing less than some of the great analysis of JR on so many different topics, but a big emphasis on the Big New Japan G1 special that just took place over last weekend, over the 4th of July weekend, where Jim Ross and his tag team partner in the booth, Josh Barnett, called the action at ringside for New Japan Pro Wrestling's first huge show in the United States and the United States Championship Tournament that was eventually won by Kenny Omega. But the first night that was broadcast on Axis TV, I personally thought, and I said it to JR, was pretty much the best produced piece of wrestling television that I've seen in a very, very long time in the United States and that kind of ties into a lot of the controversy that's gone on surrounding it and some people not feeling that JR's commentary was that great but nonetheless he's JR and you get what you're going you know what you're going to get when you get JR you're going to get nothing but an absolute marquee announcer you're going to get a guy who makes it feel like a big fight and that's what JR brings to the table he brings that legitimacy that maybe some announcers don't bring and I'm not knocking any announcers specifically but when JR is in the booth you know you're watching something big 
And John, as I welcome you in here, I mean, I could talk all day about Jim Ross. What else can you say? He's the greatest of all time. But talk about some more of the highlights that we have to look forward to. Give us a couple more of the details regarding some of the things that we talk about. And basically, welcoming back JR, it's never a bad thing when you got a WWE Hall of Famer on the line, especially someone the caliber of good old JR. Yes, Chad, it is the return of good old JR, Jim Ross, to the two-man power trip. And we haven't heard from him in a little while. But boy, is he back, and he is back with a vengeance. What a great episode with him. We go in great detail, get a great length out of good old JR. Awesome stuff, as always. Always a pleasure, always an absolute honor to talk to quite possibly the greatest announcer of all time. Wait, scratch that. Not quite possibly. He is the greatest announcer of all time. There's no doubt about it. Like, you know, we've said he's the voice of the WWF. He was the voice of WCW. He was the voice of Mid-South. And, of course, now as the voice of New Japan Pro Wrestling on Access TV. He's been there. He's done it. He's seen it all. He is, quite frankly, the most accomplished announcer ever in the history of the business as well. And he has done so much, even working with the WWE now with the UK special and obviously he'll be doing more with the UK and then of course coming up soon the May Young Classic so he'll be doing a great deal of work within WWE for that as well so it's always great to hear the legendary voice of good old JR it's always great to hear from these past legends that have meant so much to the business that have done so much in this wrestling business you just think back to the Attitude Era and and boy you couldn't have another voice then JR be a part of that and really set that off and really put WWF into the stratosphere and lead them into, quite frankly, going public. So, you know, you can't picture anyone else popping up Stone Cold, Stone Cold, Stone Cold, or, you know, going crazy for The Rock and Mick Foley and The Undertaker and guys like that. So Jim Ross, you know, the voice of of so many different uh, people's childhood and so many different people's, you know, them growing up with the business or them loving certain aspects and eras of the wrestling business. And Jim Ross has, quite frankly, probably been there for all of it. So it's always great and always great that the WWF, a.k.a. the WWE and Vince McMahon and Triple H showed him a huge amount of respect and let him call Undertaker's last match, which I have a strong feeling was the Undertaker's call as well. So that was very, very cool. You know, you do do get some controversy as well in this interview. You do get some controversy you know, with Jim Ross lately, but not from our end, of course, but from the uh, people in New Japan Pro Wrestling, mainly some of the Bullet Club. Obviously, the Young Bucks and uh, Tamatangas took a little bit of liberty and kind of ripping JR and Josh Barnett's commentary for the New Japan Pro Wrestling on Access TV Long Beach U.S. shows. So there's a little bit of controversy involving there, and we go into that in a great detail. Uh, we talk about maybe some flubs, maybe some harsh fans, maybe some Twitter trolls, what JR thought about all that, and we're going to get into that great deal. So, you know, you wanted some controversy, you're going to get that. You want some legendary stories with good old JR, you're going to get that as well. And, of course, we are going to cover the current world of WWE. We're going to talk a little Smoke Joe, we're going to talk a little Brock Lesnar. We are going to talk, of course, about the Mae Young Classic and some of the UK specials going on. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a really, really good one, one we are honored 
to put out. One we are honored to have a good old J.R. Jim Ross come back for. That is a part two of the return of Jim Ross. Perfectly said, partner. I completely agree. It's nearly two years since JR's last appearance, but this was definitely worth the wait. And really having a lot of current stuff to talk about with him was just an absolute trip. And not just the New Japan stuff, but all his WWE commitments that he has now. It's hard to actually uh, forget that he's got a book coming out this fall. And I'm sure that a ton of wrestling fans will be putting that on their holiday wish list because he's on that short list of guys that you always said, oh my gosh, if JR wrote a book, this would be the greatest book I've ever read. And now it's coming. And I'm sure there's a ton of stories in that book that JR hasn't shared that you're going to be hearing for the first time. And really, uh, when he comes out, I would love to have JR back so we could talk about the book. And uh, the big thing that he's here to talk about again today at the beginning of the interview, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, was that we will all be in Philadelphia on August 12th for the next Icons of Wrestling convention. We are so honored to be joined by JR. It's going to be one hell of a day. We are going to be pairing up with Jerry the King Lawler, who will also be at that convention, and will be offering fans a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get a picture done in the ECW arena with Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross. I mean, who can say they've got a Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross photo opportunity done in the former ECW arena? I mean, that's just not something that comes along every single day. But we really want all the fans who are in the Philadelphia, New Jersey, New York, Maryland, D.C., Virginia... Get your butts up to Philadelphia. We want to see you there. You can get ticket information on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash TMPT of wrestling. And like I mentioned earlier in the show, you can go to the website brownpapertickets.com and in the search bar type in Jim Ross icons and you will get all the ticket information there. Please come and join us that day in Philadelphia. Again, it's August 12th at the Icons of Wrestling Convention at the 2300 Arena, formerly known as the ECW Arena. And this is now just the next installment of this Icons Convention that's slowly but surely becoming one of the biggest conventions that you could possibly go to as a wrestling fan on the East Coast. The last one that we did with Eric Bischoff and Sean Waltman and the big NWO reunion was one of the greatest days that I personally could ever have had around professional wrestling, and it was a ton of fun to see the magic that goes on between these guys and the fans, and with good old JR, the guy who is the soundtrack for so many great matches and so many moments that we absolutely adore, I can't wait to hear some of the recollections and some of the stories that fans have to share with the one and only good old JR. And of course, this weekend, please, if you're in the New Kent, Virginia area, come on up to Classic Pro Wrestling's event in New Kent, Virginia at New Kent High School and join us for the first Crockett Foundation Memorial Cup in the same vein as the old school Jim Crockett Sr. Memorial Cup. This is a new effort by Classic Pro Wrestling, fully endorsed by the Crockett Foundation. And we will be there with Rugged Ronnie Garvin, Hands of Stone, the former NWA champion, we will be doing an exclusive Q&A meet-and-greet opportunity prior to Classic Pro Wrestling show that night. And again, that information is also both on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Wrestling, as well as brownpapertickets.com, and search Ron Garvin Q&A in that search bar, and you will get all of the information for the tickets for both Jim Ross, for Ronnie Garvin, 
and our big event at WrestleCade this coming November, which you will be hearing so much more from us in the weeks and months to come. So, John, that's enough out of me. Everybody get on over to IRW Network. Download episode number five of the Triple Thread Podcast. I think our best one yet. And while the music starts to creep in, John, I want you to hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to good old JR Jim Ross. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rose, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Buff Bagwell, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, TMPTOfWrestling.com. And if you're on Android, please check us out on Google Play or Player FM. Follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017 as we hit the road and we come to a town near you. In New Kent, Virginia on July 15th for the Crockett Cup. Then follow us down to Philadelphia where we hit the Icons Collectors Fest at the 2300 Arena. So please follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017 because you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, an NWA Hall of Famer, a WWE Hall of Famer, he was the voice of the WWF, WCW, Mid-South, and now New Japan Pro Wrestling on Access TV, he is the greatest announcer of all time, he is good old JR, Jim Ross. Please enjoy. WWE Hall of Famer. He is, and we will say it, the greatest wrestling announcer of all time. He's got one of the most popular and successful wrestling podcasts that you can listen to next to, of course, the two-man power trip of wrestling in the Ross Report. And it is our pleasure to welcome back to the two-man power trip of wrestling the one and only good old JR, Jim Ross. Welcome back to the two-man power trip. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. 
Uh, we, uh, we're so happy to have you, and we're here to talk about the big event coming to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the icons of professional wrestling in Philadelphia at the ECW, excuse me, the former ECW arena, now known as the 2300 Arena, as the two-man power trip of wrestling, and Jim Ross are teaming up for what will be a hell of a day down there in the Philadelphia area. And, Jr. the first question would be, are you looking forward to getting some cheesesteak and hanging out in South Philly on August the 12th? Well, I, uh, I certainly <clears throat> enjoy the cheesesteaks. Uh, Taz introduced me to Tony Luke's cheesesteaks there one time, and that's been kind of my, my go-to. I know there are several places there, but so yes on the cheesesteak. And the other is I've never been in that, uh, that venue in all the years that the ECW was there and so forth. Uh, I have never been in that venue, so a lot of uh, interesting firsts that weekend. should be a fun uh, Saturday. And Tony Luke's is right next to the ECW arena or the 2300 arena. It's going to be hard to not call it the ECW arena because when you walk in, there's a gigantic mural of, uh, of faux blood on the wall representing ECW's tenure in that building. But that is really cool. We'll get to that in one minute. But this, this convention, the Icons of Wrestling convention, John and I have been to every single one they've had so far. The turnout grows with each and every event, and the fan base that comes through the doors of the 2300 Arena, to say it, they're rabid is one thing, but they are some of the smartest and well-versed fans that you could possibly come around, and that is a great reputation for the city of brotherly love, who in a sports world has a pretty tawdry reputation. But, Jr., what do you think about the wrestling fan base in the Philadelphia area and what they bring to the table? Because, like I said, some of the smartest fans that you could possibly find. Well, I think uh, the thing stands out and has for years. I've been going to Philadelphia for many, many years for for Crockett and, and uh, WWE and so forth, uh, WCW. I would say uh, the passion. They love they love the wrestling, and they're also uh, versed enough to discuss it and talk about it, and they don't have any issues letting you know how they feel. So I love their passion. You know, that's one of the great things about uh, wrestling fans, especially today's generation, where there's so much information flow. Uh, so my answer would be very easily the passion. Yeah, absolutely. The passion is, uh, is, is felt wholeheartedly in that building, and they pack them in pretty well and like i said each convention has just grown and grown and grown and the wrestling convention scene has grown and grown and grown and one of the other great things about this icons of wrestling on august 12th is you won't be uh, sitting there alone because right by us is going to be your longtime broadcast tag team partner we're going to be doing a special photo op that will be available that day and it will be jim ross reunited with the great the one and only the hall of famer the timeless Jerry the King Waller, how do you like reuniting with the King for these conventions? Because obviously it's now such an attraction just to get a photo op between the two of you, pretend that we sat at that broadcast desk with you guys. But how is it seeing the King when you get into these conventions and seeing the fans interact with the two of you guys? Oh, it's kind of like a family reunion. You know, we, we laugh and reminisce, and I think we're both happy to see each other. We both enjoy still being active and being involved. So, uh, you know, with these, our schedules now, uh, you know, what the way they are, it's, we don't get a chance to see each other that often in person. So uh, it'll, be, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. That's a, that's a real good opportunity for the fans to, to get a kind of a keepsake photo there. And uh, so that would be fun. Jerry's always – Jerry and I love those kind of things. You know, it, we, 
we still remember what got us to the dance. That's the fan support. So uh, I, uh, I'm really, I think it's going to be a, a really a fun day there with uh, with Jerry, and I know he likes that kind of stuff too. And so it'll be fun. It'll be a good time. Maybe he and I'll have a guess to have a get a cheesesteak or something. So it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be a great time. I almost want to throw out a challenge to uh, any of the listeners that do come to the convention that. You'll get a cheesesteak on uh, on chat here, the two-man power trip, if you come up wearing one of those old-school Monday Night Raw bomber jackets that I know you wore for many, many years next to the king there. And I don't know how many of those sold from the old WWF shop there, but uh, those bomber jackets are one of the uh, one of the bigger keepsakes of that uh, early 1997 Attitude Era. Yeah, I like a lot of things in my career. I wish I had kept more souvenirs and more... I've had I've gotten so much really cool uh, attire over the years. I think I still got a UWF jacket I got from uh, the Watts family back in the day, and but a lot of stuff. I just you know I I just I guess I never thought that they they have any value. So, uh, but nonetheless, those jackets are were, that was quite the uh, quite the piece uh, and the attitude. You know, we, that was a whole different thing. You know, we our attire was kind of spoke to what the show was about as far as attitude and things of that nature. So uh, it'll be fun, you know. Anytime Jerry and I are together, we have a lot of fun. And I've often said, you know, we could probably go on a coast-to-coast car trip with cameras in an RV or something and, and, and produce a, a hell of a reality show because we just seem to have – I guess it worked that way on TV, too. We have great chemistry, and, and that's something I'll always value. Absolutely, and for our tickets, you can go to our Facebook page, and it's facebook.com slash TMPT of Wrestling. Again, it's facebook.com slash TMPT of Wrestling. And if you have access to the brownpapertickets.com website, you can search Jim Ross icons, and you can buy tickets through the Brown Paper Tickets link that we've just created for this special one-of-a-kind event that we've got with JR at the Icons of Wrestling. But JR, obviously this year has been a hell of a year for you from the professional standpoint, obviously reuniting back with the WWE. And just as we're recording this, coming off of an absolutely gigantic weekend out there in California as the New Japan G1 USA special really captivated the pro wrestling audience and put on, in my opinion, the best wrestling television on on cable TV that we've seen in a very, very long time. But I guess the general question would be is, what did you think coming off of it? It was such a great event. It was such. It was so awesome to watch it and listen to you. But what was your take on the weekend and how everything went? Well, I, you know, I got a. I'd like to sit back somewhere along the way and and watch those shows, uh, and I will. Uh, but it was. I'll know more about it. I better feel it was just a real busy uh, time. You know, it was a challenging from a production standpoint. Uh, the, uh, you know, the the language issues within the crew uh was a little challenging for for them I, I think and you know we had a a really hard working crew but when you've got uh a Japanese cameraman and you've got uh American cameraman and they don't speak each other's language and you don't have a bilingual person in a truck it can make things uh, a little dicey sometimes as far as communication is concerned so uh but I had a great time. I mean, the wrestling, golly, the wrestling was great. You know, really strong from from good to great. I didn't see any matches uh, that I thought were, you know, were a little bit weak. I, I 
Some are obvious, just like any car. Some are better than others. But I really enjoyed the in-ring product. I enjoyed seeing a lot of old friends. I enjoyed uh, watching these uh, New Japan guys work. And you know, they're ambitious guys. They got, they want to compete. They want to be in the. They want to have a presence in North America. And, and uh, so, lofty goals, no doubt about that. But I had a lot of fun, and it was. You know, I don't know if I'll be around uh, Access TV when they if they do another uh, live event. Because I expect if they do another live event, maybe 2018, and I, I don't know what my contract status with them is going to be at that point in time, uh, unless you know something unforeseen works out. But uh, I had a lot of fun. You know, I was there seven days. We did eight hours worth of voiceovers on Tuesday, including Okada and Omega uh, two, and uh, Naito and uh, Tanahashi, which is almost that's forty. It's about forty minutes, I think. We did eight hours with the voiceovers that they did four complete shows, and then uh, then doing eight then doing four hours live on Saturday and four hours live on Sunday live to tape. I can tell you when I got home I was I was spent and uh, it's just you know you put so much of your passion and your emotions in it that you know you, you leave there a little bit. Uh, man, I I enjoyed the hell out of it, but boy, I needed a nap. <laughs> And I'll tell you, I mean, it's not just blowing smoke up your fanny here, but to tell you the truth, I mean, as a fan who's watched New Japan Pro Wrestling with the Japanese commentary, obviously there's language barriers, you know, from my point of view, and to hear your voice be the soundtrack for these matches and getting to see them for the first time, it just adds so much to it. And watching the the lead-in for the matches on Saturday night and not catching it on Friday but being able to watch it before the uh, the big show on Saturday, it just really felt the big fight feel was there. And, and i got to tell you, from, the, uh, from that perspective, I personally loved it. But how about the fans that were in attendance there? Did you catch the vibe from them that they were in for something special? Because coming off, you know, these fans now, especially the ones that sold that place out as fast as they did, they seem rabid and getting ready for that first bell to ring. Did you feel that sitting in the, uh, the commentary booth there, that they were ready to see something special? Oh yeah, they uh, they helped us. I think uh, you know. Uh, I think Josh Barnett and I both would tell you that the, the uh, excitement level was palatable there. It was it was infectious. Uh, these fans came from all over the country. I think someone told me, and I, I'm assuming they knew what they were talking about. That over there were fans from over 30 states that traveled to uh, Long Beach to attend that weekend's events. And I know I saw. I saw my old friend Alex Marvez there, who works for Sirius and does NFL uh, broadcasting for Sirius. And uh, he and another couple guys came from, uh, or one guy came from Jacksonville. Alex lives in Miami. So uh, there are a lot of guys and gals traveling that uh, just indicates how passionate they are about the product. So I can't, I can't imagine anybody leaving Long Beach that would have complained about the live event experience. The only thing that I would say that it could be uh, considered a negative was the fact that the, all the sh- seats on the floor were in the, on the flat, so there was no bleachers. So if you were lucky enough to sit up front, you're cool. But if you're in the back or back part of the building, it might have been a little challenging because people were standing a lot. So uh, that would be the only thing I could even think of that would be remotely negative, and I didn't really hear anybody talk about it, so maybe it wasn't. But it was good. It was a good – the crowd can do so much for a show. Uh, we know that from watching TV shows and watching the crowds. Well, that was a good crowd on Raw. Well, the crowd didn't, 
didn't react, or oh, the crowd at uh, an impact that little at the studio, the TV thing there to Orlando. It's just it, that could have been better. All that good stuff. The crowd's important, and I, this crowd helped the show a lot. So if the TV broadcast was solid, one of the reasons it was was because uh, the live audience uh, helped it get over the hump, and they did a great job. Yeah, absolutely. It really felt like that, and it, it bled through the television, especially for the duration of how long the show was, and obviously through you know the first belt or the last, just obviously excitement and a lot of great action. But do you yourself, obviously, you know, you've been to every arena you could possibly think of off the top of your head. Do you go out there before the show starts, and especially for a first-time venture like a New Japan in the States, and kind of check it out before the doors open to kind of catch the vibe of the arena before those fans walk through the gates? I was there on Friday night uh, while they were setting up. That's when I discovered we didn't have bleachers, which was a concern. Uh, yeah, so I, yeah, absolutely, because you want to go where you're going to sit, uh, what's your vantage point, and where the monitor's going to be. Uh, you know, and I got there early on, on Saturday so we could make sure our, we could do a sound check. It's a real uh, uh, ambitious undertaking for uh, the Access TV folks who do MMA 40 days a year, 40 weeks a year, I think, on Friday night, something like that. Uh, but they had never done pro wrestling. So uh, we had a brand-new crew that had no, most essentially no uh, experience whatsoever in pro wrestling. And I thought they, uh, we, we rallied together and, and came through with an excellent effort, uh, the, the desire and, the, and, and the, the, the will to be good was there. Uh, you know, I had some flub-ups that, uh, you know, I asked somebody, who the hell, which one is Jay, which one is uh, uh, the Briscoe brothers, you know, uh, which one's which, and God almighty, I, the guy, and, the, and we asked one of the ringside guys, Josh Barnett, and I said, oh, Josh, you know, we need to make sure, so one guy says, well, uh, I can't remember, Mark or Jay, one of them doesn't have any front teeth, I said, okay, that doesn't help me, unless you're going to be shooting their smile, I need, you know, give me some. Well, the ball guy is whatever what it was. So it was wrong, and then we 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 uh, we didn't do well in that. And then we, of course, I got hammered on uh, social media because I messed made that mistake. People forget, you know, we're human. We're doing a live television show, and uh, you know, it, it was just uh, a real, um, you know, I, I wish we had not had those errors. I can tell you this: when I saw the Briscoes on Sunday, I apologized to both of them for for screwing that up. I, you know, I took complete responsibility for it, even though I, I got bad information. But you know, I, I own it. I got to, I got to take. That's my deal. So, I apologize to those guys. I have great respect for their work, and always have. Uh, so, I wish uh, we had not done that. But, uh, and you know, I'm not. You know, I don't, I don't live with this product. I don't live. You know, Kevin Kelly and Don Callis are there. They live it all the time. They were there in the building doing some stuff. But uh, you know, I. I uh, I think that people will see that our second show uh, was much cleaner and much uh, smoother than was our first show. Uh, and, of course, the second show also uh, was uh, highlighted by the uh, United States title tournament, which I thought that the final match with Omega and uh, Ishii was absolutely uh, tremendous. So, uh, And the Young Bucks had a real good match on that second night with uh, Rapungi Vice, that ended up being Rapungi Vice's uh, apparent last match as a team. So I was very, uh, uh, I was, I was, I was really happy that I had the chance to do two live shows. 
not in voiceovers, but in our actually setting at the arena, setting at ringside, and being able to uh, do what I enjoy doing more than anything, any other phase of uh, the wrestling business, and that's do live commentary. Uh, it's uh, it's so incredibly soothing to the uh, to the ears to hear you on commentary, no matter what promotion it's for. Uh, just because, you know, we're used to you growing up. We've been listening to you our whole uh, wrestling lives, give or take, uh, for the most part. But one of the cool things I think what that whole weekend brought was the U.S. title tournament. And that was, just not, you know, it was, it was something, it was an added incentive. And did you feel that that was something that was a great hook for this crowd and for these fans attending is that they were going to see not just a great IWGP championship match, but they were going to actually see a first-ever champion crown, and that always is going to hold a placeholder in their hearts and as fans that they saw something special that you know nobody else in that building got a chance to see. Absolutely. I think you know we wrestling fans love to anticipate. Uh, we love the build of something. And we love, I think, to be a part of something that's new, fresh, or the first, the first of its kind. And so we, we all knew going into that tournament that, and that weekend that we were going to see a new champion crowned, and we did, obviously. And, but the talents, the eight talents that were in the tournament, I thought really delivered. And uh, the second night of the tournament, which was the semifinals, obviously, the finals, was just tremendous. I'm a tournament guy. I like tournaments. Uh, I think they're very athletic. They have an athletic feel. The New Japan product has an athletic feel. So their, 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 uh, uh, their technique, their presentation fit the, uh, the tournament uh, facet of it. And uh, our commentary with Josh and my work is largely athletic-based. You know, we're, we're, we're not really, uh, it wasn't an entertainment television show. It was entertaining television, but it was a sports presentation because that's what Access TV it does with their MMA, and it's what the New Japan folks do every night with their product. So it was, a, it was really a, a compelling package altogether. But I think people love to see first. They love to be a part of a little bit of history. And uh, so I, and they got to see that. Uh, the event historic and the, uh, then the uh, formation of this tournament. And you've got to believe that this tournament, this, excuse me, this title is going to be around for a long time. Uh, and so I, I, uh, when people see the final with uh, Omega and Ishii, uh, the, well, those that haven't seen it as we speak, uh, you're going to love it because it was just really a great story. They didn't overthink it. It was just so logical and plausible and believable so i really uh i really enjoyed that uh whole presentation so it was a good weekend for me you know i, I would have liked to have not been uh, uh, called the carpet by some fans about uh, a couple of boo-boos i made but hey look you're doing live tv there's no net you live with what you say do the best you can and and and, and hopefully you get better next time you know I'm, i've been doing this a long time i've never called a perfect match ever and my best work has yet to be recorded. So that's how I approach every job. Uh, I'm going to be going down soon to Orlando to, to record a bunch of matches for the uh, May Young Classic. And all I can do is say that I hope that my best work to date will be at that tournament. And that will be in place until I do uh, some more work somewhere down the road. So that's the whole deal. You can't rest on your laurels and you can't, I can't stay in a comfort zone. And you want to get better all the time. And so... Uh, I wish that some of that had been better, but I think that 
you know, that's what you get when you have a crew that's outmanned and you got not a lot of experience, and uh, it's just you're going to have those deals. But I like this. I like the fact that everything you heard was real. Everything you heard was, if it was a mistake on my part, a fumble, then it was real. It wasn't packaged or rehearsed or anything. We rehearsed nothing. I love that part of it. We did, went out and did a live, just like we could do a ball game. I didn't have any idea who was going to win any of the matches. I didn't talk to anybody from New Japan, neither did Josh, about what was going on, the creative that night. Didn't want to know. Somebody told us on the way down, well, you're not going to, the, the New Japan people are not going to, uh, they don't want you guys in the locker room, and they don't, they're not, nobody's going to talk, nobody's, they're not going to tell us about the creative. Well, first of all, I don't give a damn if I ever go to another locker room. Who cares? I've been in more locker rooms than anybody on their roster, number one. So, fine. That's your policy. Cool with me. I'm fine with that. And I would prefer not to know what the creative is going to be. Why do I need to know the creative? Uh, it, it makes it more of a work, makes it more of a showbiz presentation. If we're doing great athleticism, then it's entertaining enough for me. So, uh, it worked out great. I agree with that philosophy. I don't need to go in their locker room, so check that off the box. And secondly, don't, if you, somebody tried to tell me what's going on, I would say, whoop, I don't need to know that. Thank you very much. Have fun out there. We'll, we'll call what we see. So that was how it worked. But I, I, I had a, I had a, it was a good weekend, hard work weekend, but a rewarding weekend. And I'm, I'm very uh, happy to be a part of the Access TV team. And now I'm handing it off. I'm going to go be part of the WWE team again. So the bottom line is I'm a wrestling fan. I get to do a lot of wrestling. So I got nothing to complain about. It's all good. Which is great, and I definitely will get into you know the WWF stuff, the Mae Young Classic, but I wanted to stick on New Japan just for a second if I could. Now, you mentioned Omega, obviously, and Ishii in, in the finals there. A lot of people say, you know, Omega, everyone's talking about how great he is, but it's really they're kind of missing the boat on some of these Japanese guys. What do you think about the Stone Pitbull Ishii? You know, what are your thoughts on him? Because to me, he's really one of the top guys in wrestling. He's one of my favorites to uh, broadcast for. I've never spoken a word with him. I, you know, I, don't, I don't know if he even speaks any English, and I, I have enough trouble with English, so I and I to try to add Japanese to my repertoire. Uh, I love his work. <laughs> I've seen him work a lot. He's been a lot of the TVs we've done. Uh, when I first started there, and I came in when Mara went to WWE, I, uh, I had a bunch of single, seemingly multiple uh, Ishii and uh, Makabe matches. And I had them also at Russell Kingdom 9, if I recall correctly. And they beat the hell out of each other. Old school, uh, you know, tough guy stuff, legit tough guys. So uh, I like him. I think he's he looks a lot like a pro wrestler. He, he carries himself with pride and confidence. He sells fantastically. And he sells where you're not rolling your eyes like, oh, God, that's horrible. He took me right out of the moment. He's, everything he does is authentic and believable. And when wrestlers can do things that are authentic, believable, and non-eye-rolling, they have a real good chance of being very successful. And this guy is really fun to watch. He's so good, and it's crazy to say almost underrated at this point because he just continues to be one of the best wrestlers in the world. But what about a guy like Kazuchika Okada, who is arguably one of the greatest wrestlers right now? You can almost say he's one of the greatest of all time with the amount of great matches he just throws out there, literally put anybody in the ring with him, and he's just going to have an awesome match. What do you think about the Rainmaker? I love him. Uh, you know, uh, 
he was one of the guys when I when I went to do Wrestle Kingdom nine. He was one of the guys that uh, asked to take a selfie, and I was still learning my way and who these young guys are. That was three years ago, I think. He's just twenty nine now. He'll be thirty this fall, so he was a young pup. Uh, but boy, he had a, a good looking kid. He looks like a movie star, and he's six three, and he's going to continue to fill out. Uh, great presence. I can tell you this: uh, he and my our group and uh, a few a handful of guys from New Japan, primarily Tiger Hattori, the great referee uh, back in the day, and one of the office guys, still referee some. And we were drinking. I think I missed on my podcast. We were at the uh, Rock Bottom, ironically enough, and uh, we had ample amounts of tequila. And uh, the champion can drink tequila with the best of them. So uh, he uh, he's a nice kid, classy, and uh, you know just just a, just a he's a he's exactly if you want a big company, he's exactly what the guy you want, that kind of guy. Uh, being your your top dog, reliability, the look, the resilience. Uh, he's great in a PR setting. He's got, he's a good looking kid, as I mentioned. So uh, he's got an unlimited upside. He may end up to stay healthy and he stays in New Japan long enough to be the greatest uh, IWGP champion they've ever had. He has that opportunity to exceed the Inokis and the Tanahashi's and. Mudas and all those guys, and I and all those guys are all Hall of Famers, and but this kid is young, and they they have confidence in him. The audience is having confidence. Look at the matches he's had this year. All these opponents have a different identity and different strengths, and uh, this this kid had a great match with with Minoru Suzuki. He's got a unique style with Omega twice, uh, you know uh, Shibata. You know, Tiger Mask W, all these different styles, and he was able to still have a great match, almost seamless transitions uh, with them on a big stage. So he's really special. You know, he's one of the probably top five workers, maybe or less, in the whole world. So uh, he's got a he's got an amazing future. And uh, and you know, somebody said, well, you know, he was in TNA. I, I don't even remember him being in TNA. So I. I'm not throwing TNA on the bus. It's probably going to sound like it, but obviously if they had really known what they had, they could have got a lot more mileage out of it because I watch their show as much as I, I can. Uh, I don't even remember him being on it, but obviously he was. But uh, he's a real special special guy. To, you know, you know he, he follows me on Twitter, and I follow him, and just a good kid. And uh, uh, I think that he's... He's he's just going to be as big as they as he wants to be and as as he can be and and you know then the other question of people well who are those guys who are going to go to WWE look I don't have any idea they have a they, a lot of those guys have a very vested interest in their company they're very proud of what they're building there at New Japan and that's a, that's the same feel that that I used to get in a territory what that a territory had a pride the Mid South territory UWF. That we had pride in our territory, we had pride in our company because our leader insisted on it, demanded it in Cowboy Bill Watts. So it was a it was a college or pro team sports kind of a feel, and I and I get that from that uh, New Japan group. So it's it's really uh, it's really fun to work their, to do their matches and, and doing stuff live is 
there's nothing better than that. But uh, you know, we're going to be doing some great stuff. We're, we got still got the G1 coming up from this year, and we turned around the the, the, the time on uh, when it when it happens and when it airs. So all good stuff, man. It's just a really a a good uh, a good opportunity for me to uh, reinvest in commentary. Uh, and they have given me that opportunity to do a lot of regular commentary. So I'm very happy to be a, a part of it. And what was it like with Okada? I mean, did you, did the big match field, the main event on night one, obviously against the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. But what was it like calling, you know, Dusty's son's match? He's in a main event. He's kind of making his own name for himself. Was that special for you? Because that really had this huge big fight feel to it. It really felt like, especially with you calling it, so much drama and intrigue, and it felt like the crowd was so into that match. I uh, well, I, I thanks for the big match field thing. I, I try to shoot for that. I really do. And you can't make a big match feel unless it's a big match. If you do, then I'm doing the same thing. I'm I chide talents for doing being disingenuous and being, uh, you know, not real believable. And so if I try to be the, you know, make every match the big match feel, then I'm going to lose any credibility that I have. But that was easy. It had a big match feel. Uh, and I felt the presence of Dusty. I, I believe Dusty was a part of that presentation in some degree. Uh, and certainly his son uh, felt that way, it seemed like. And I just, I, I had a feeling that Dusty was watching this match as, surreal as that may sound so uh and and i thought cody made a, a great accounting of himself you know uh i i just i was really proud of his effort and he's getting better and better he's not nearly as good as he's going to be uh he's really maturing and improving with his in-ring stuff he's processing things really well uh, putting things together so it was a it was a true big match feel and and those guys uh they brought it, you know. They brought it athletically. They brought it psychologically, and uh, the, the great thing about the New Japan product, they protect the finishes by and large. And I can't say that happens in every company, because you got to give somebody four or five your your finish four or five times. It used to be if you gave a guy your finish multiple times, there was one message that you got across. That was the guy that the guy uh, was really tough, and it took everything this guy had and more to beat. Uh, uh, the opponent with the finish. I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, I understand it occasionally, but when you got to do it three or four times, I think you, you, we, you, there's overkill there. But I love the fact that uh, their match was very respectful and it's logical, it's athletic. They laid their stuff in, so it was a it was a real true main event. And I know this is an old cliche, but that match could be a main event anywhere. The time they put in the fundamentals, the psychology, their look, their presentation, the finish, everything. That would that that would pass uh as a main event in anybody's company at any event. So uh I was really uh, honored to be a part of that, I can tell you. So I I know Josh was too. You know, I got a, Josh Barnett's a great partner. Uh and he's got my back and I got his and you know, he's a, such a wealth of information on the New Japan brand and the and the culture, and certainly submissions. Uh, and submissions now, guys, as you both know, are, is a lot bigger part of pro wrestling than it's ever been. Ever been. When you see baby faces submitting in a match, you used to never see that happen on a main event level. Main event baby faces rarely, rarely ever submitted. 
or said I quit or give up or whatever. It happens, of course, but very seldomly. And now, because of USC and MMA in general, uh, it's not as frowned upon. And the wrestlers themselves don't have the ego issues that many of them did in the previous generation if they have to lose by, by submission. So uh, changes in the business come and go, and that's just one of the good ones, I think. Now, obviously, you know, you mentioned before your trip down to Orlando, the May Young Classic, kind of working for the WWE again, you know, switching gears a bit here. How did that kind of all happen for you? How did that all kind of transition? Obviously, you know, you worked a UK special, which was great. Another kind of big match feel to it is when you and Nigel were a part of it. So how did that all come together with the WWE? Well, uh, let's see how that all came about. I, I had never... Uh, stopped communicating with WWE, and I had never, and the WWE had never stopped communicating with me. Uh, and basically, I had, I was in contact with Vince uh, uh, regularly. We're, we're friends, and we're still friends. And if I saw something on TV I liked, I, I might send him a text or something like that. Kevin Dunn and I are friends from OU football. He's a he's an OU football fan. A lot of people don't know that. And uh, so uh, that was kind of our link. And uh, Triple H, you know, one of the guys I signed, and and he's done pretty well for himself there, like a lot of the guys that we were fortunate enough to get under contract. So I just, you know, moved on. I, I, they didn't have a spot for me at that point in time, and that's, that was cool. I had plenty of work to do. I really reinvented myself, uh, and I had plenty of projects to work on. But my wife, God bless her, really wanted me to go back to the home team, as she called it. Because my wife and I got together in the late 80s, and uh, but I was a WCW guy then, and then I went to WWE in 93, and then she and I got married in the fall of 93. So during our whole marriage, I was a, you know, started out as a WWE guy, and we worked our way through the, the ranks there and with a couple of setbacks, but, you know, we endured, uh, didn't quit. And so her, she was really the catalyst for keeping me motivated to do that. And uh, she was right. I mean, I wanted to go back to get my jersey back and go play a little bit. I had some, what I felt like to be unfinished business. So uh, Kevin Dunn uh, and and then working through Vince was very, very instrumental in, in, in me uh, coming back. And uh, so, I, you know, I, it was the Friday night before uh, WrestleMania, this was a week after my wife was dead, got killed. Uh, uh, I signed my contract. They were negotiating. My I have a manager, Barry Bloom, who represents a lot of guys, represents Goldberg and Jericho and Foley, I think, and maybe there's others. Uh, but anyway, uh, we got our deal done, and I signed that contract on Friday night got it notarized, and then they told me, I think it was on Saturday, day before WrestleMania, that uh, Vince wanted me to work a match. And I said, no problem. What what time do I need to be there? And I went there, and I I found out on Saturday that they wanted me to work the Undertaker's match, and by the way, it's going on last. So I was uh, very honored that uh, Vince had had picked me to to call that match with uh, Cole and, and JBL. So... It was, a, it was the best. It was a great way to get put back on the on the team, and uh, you know we kept, we kept it under wraps as best we could. But you know, so many guys, so many leaks, so many leaks. You know, guys calling me that 
can you give me a story? Can you give me the scoop? You know, all this. And I just, it got to be ridiculous. I mean, the uh, wrestling websites and the guys that have podcasts, like you guys and, uh, and me. Oh, i got to have a story. What, what's the deal? You know, I hear this, I hear that. Well, you know, I didn't answer those calls. Uh, I didn't want to feed that monster. Let somebody else feed it. Because there's plenty of guys that love to do that, and it wouldn't want to be me. So I, I uh, it was good. It was, the, the whole thing was was a good, healthy negotiation. Uh, and the biggest aspect of negotiation, believe it or not, was not the money. Uh, WWE stepped up big time on the money. But it was my other obligations that I had ongoing, my podcast, my access TV contract. Uh, you know, my book was in, in the process of being written and so forth. So, but there, that, those are the business issues that had to be worked through. But they were. They were all satisfied to everybody's uh, uh, level of comfort. So that's how it kind of came together. It was just communication. Same thing, fellas, you got to do in any walk of life. We communicated uh, they wanted something, and I wanted something, and we were, got on the same page. And uh, I'm really glad. I don't expect to ever not be a part of WWE at this point in time in my life. I, that's not my my goal is to be there till I'm till they till I can't do my job very well. And I'll tell you, with the social media like it is, and everybody's sensibilities as they are, the last thing I want to do is overstay my welcome and be an embarrassment to my body of work. I'm not going to let that happen. Uh, and so. I, I plan on being a WWE guy for the duration. And in a perfect world, if I was allowed to do it, I don't know that I'm not, don't know that I am, I'd love to be able to continue to do my Access TV work because I think it keeps me sharp. It keeps me call a lot of matches. It's a couple, three days a month is all in L.A. Not a bad place to hang your hat. So I hope that I can continue to do both. But the WWE is always going to be in my, in my professional life and personal life, quite frankly. You know, I... I my wife was a big part of the success of that attitude era. People don't even want to talk about sometimes because it's just not time. It's not timely. I don't know, but you know she was really a great coach's wife, so to speak. And so I, I have a vested interest in that company for in a lot of ways, a lot of areas. And uh, I feel like our contributions in my run there were significant in the foundation of this new publicly traded company, and I'm proud of that. So I want to continue to contribute. And right now, you know, if I can help a Nigel McGinnis or a uh, or Alita, or anybody else uh, on commentary, uh, I'm excited about that opportunity. It's like building a roster, helping build a t- an announced roster, like I helped build a talent roster back in the day. So it's all good stuff, and I need this right now. I need to stay busy. I need to stay healthy, mentally healthy, physically healthy. Because, you know, I lost my partner. I lost my best friend uh, 30 seconds from our garage, 30 seconds from sitting right now. Uh, to a guy that was not paying attention to his driving, and he ran over her in a 2000 Mercury Marquis, and she was on a Vespa. And when I say he ran over her, I mean he ran over her and uh, caught the bike and her underneath his car, and it was absolutely horrible. So uh, i got to get over that. i got to get past all that stuff. And uh, the WWE and Access TV uh, are helping me do that, and I need this right now. I need to continue to be busy and productive and positive and that's why sometimes when you read somebody sends you a, 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 a tweet or a, somewhere and, they, and they'll say well you know jr screwed that the the, the the briscoe brothers for example well you know jr had all those strokes well i haven't had any strokes fed bell's palsy uh i jr's too old well, i don't think i'm too old but you, it's your opinion 
Uh, and you read stuff like that uh, where it's embarrassing that somebody would go there. If you don't like my work, that's cool, but don't give all the reasons. Well, I've had a – he's had strokes. Wrong. Uh, he's too old. Wrong. You know, he's not the same – he's not the – he didn't he, – he's not prepared. Well, that's really wrong. So uh, it's a tough time to be a wrestling announcer, quite frankly, but it's a great time to be a fan without without a doubt. Well, you've definitely had a you know a rough year as far as personally is concerned, and you know our heart goes out to you. and And hopefully, the WB and New Japan and Access TV can keep you strong, like you said, mentally and physically. But of course, you got to ignore those Twitter trolls. I think they're looking for something. You know, they're over, they want you to respond. You know what I mean? They they want to be like, oh, I got under Jr's skin. You know, something like uh, that. Oh, you're right. I gotta I gotta be smarter. I'm a com- look, guys. I'm competitive. I've always been competitive. Uh, and you come up the business like I did, and you get in the business like I did, uh, where you're not somebody's relative, uh, you're not a, you're not related, you're not a shooter, you're not a world class athlete, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Complete cold turkey, getting in the back door, uh, working for Bill Watts and Leroy McGurk uh, at 22, and I wasn't supposed to stay long. I thought I'd have a summertime job. I'd have some great stories to tell my, my wrestling fan buddies when I went back to school in the fall, and uh, it, that's how it would be. Well, 40 years later, I'm still waiting to go back to that one more semester of college, and nobody. And I'm not sure I'm not going to do that someday. Uh, but uh, I'm just, you know, it, it's lasted so much longer than I ever dreamed. I had the dream career, but it's but I wasn't supposed to make it. And unfortunately for me, or maybe it's fortunate, I'm not sure. Uh, I believe that to this day, that I got to go out and prove myself every day, every broadcast. You got to prove yourself. The, today's audience that didn't hear my work in my uh, in the '80s or the the '90s, the Attitude Era, the 2000s, they're young, they're defiant, they're millennials. They have a little different mindset. You know, uh, they don't know uh, my history, and so I have to prove myself to them that I'm worthy of them investing their time. To listen to my broadcast, so I don't have a problem with that. And I'm not, hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. Who cares? For the young fans, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. What can you do for me now? What have you done for me lately? And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. Yeah, they honestly don't really like anybody. I mean, it's it's hard to even say whether it's baseball, football, wrestling. You know, the, the fan bases are so critical of commentary because it's what's telling you the story. But anybody who doesn't know the history and doesn't know, obviously, you know, the contributions of those that always come before them, you know, you're just you're not educating yourself properly. But one of the things I just want to tie in here before we uh, we start to wrap it up here in a minute is the fact that your one man show has kind of set the pace for not only the stories that you've had in your career, but also, I mean, a, a rash of, of a lot of other one-man shows coming. And right before our event, you'll be in uh, Washington, D.C., coming back to the D.C. Improv to do your one-man show yet again. And when we spoke to you in 2015, you were getting to do it for the first time in the North Carolina area as part of the NWA Legends Weekend. But now here we are two years later. How do you like the progress of the places you've been and how your show may have evolved just based off of being, you know, one of these first guys to get out there and do this one-man show style event. Well, I've had I had a blast, a blast doing it. It's a it was uncharted waters 
for me uh, and still is. I'm still learning. Uh, I'd like to think I'm better at it than when we first talked. Uh, I've had a lot of shows under my belt now. I'm glad that others, uh, you know, I know uh, Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson are doing some shows. Uh, and, you know, that's been a little bit of an adjustment for my scheduling because they've been very aggressive to their credit. And they, they, uh, they're they using some of that uh, day of WWE uh, pay-per-view shows to book their own events. And there's no reason to go into the marketplace and me to compete with them. Uh, it, it's just it's uh, senseless. It's not a wrestling war. I'm, I'm friends with those guys. I want them to do well. So uh, it's competitive out there in that regard, but I'm glad that other guys are doing it uh, and following that uh, kind of that lead. You know, uh, I know Bill Goldberg just had a great success over in the U.K. Uh, doing the, this uh, one, you know, Q&A, one-man show type thing. So I, I'm having fun doing it. I'm going to be in – the last time I was in the D.C. Improv on uh, was a sellout, and it's a great venue. It's pretty damn intimidating because all these great comedians – I'm not really a comedian at all. I'm certainly not a stand-up. But uh, nonetheless, the um, the D.C. – the DC, I say this all the time, the D.C. Armory – I got Robocop in my head, I guess. I can't get him out of my head. Uh, but that's that's another story. Uh, DC Improv is uh, Thursday, August 10th, as you guys mentioned. And, uh, then we're going to – my producer, Rafael Morphy, who's OWWE guy, now does some work for Impact uh, in his own, and his own company, is going to uh, – we're going to go from uh, DC up to Philly and uh, – Get ready for that. The, your your our, our gig there with you guys on Saturday. So and then I got another show on the Friday night of SummerSlam weekend uh, in the uh, Gotham Comedy Club in New York City. So that's a that's going to be a big show to kind of kick off SummerSlam. I've got my I've got my biggest mystery guest booked on that show since I had Steve Austin come as a walk on in uh, New Orleans at WrestleMania 30. I'm really, really excited about this, and that's not uh, the old pro wrestling Hyper Bowl. Uh, I'm really, this is a big deal for me, and it's going to be great for the fans that will be in uh, in uh, New York City. So, And I, I'm coming to Boston uh, in uh, uh, in December. And also, regarding the New York thing, guys, you know, Bruce and Conrad are going to be there that weekend, too. I just moved my date to Friday, and they're, and they're going to do some stuff on the weekend. So more power to them. I hope they do great. People can come to see both events. They're both different. They're, if you're a wrestling fan, you should have fun of both of them. But uh, I'm having fun doing these shows. And I just got to, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I got to watch how I'm doing them so I can do them right with the, with the book coming out, with all these damn book signings. And ironically, I should have planned it better because I always, um, I, I block off football season. I'm going to go to every OU football game, home and away, God willing. And so I got to balance my football schedule with my book signings, and then maybe those. Uh, then I, I may have to wait after football to kind of really resume the uh, uh, the one man shows. But I have fun doing them and interacting with the fans. The meet and greets are great. You're great stories, and it's the photo op thing and and all that. And I love the meeting the fans. They're so nice, and I owe them so much. They got great stories. And memories, and so do I. And we share those, so it's a fun thing for me. I, and that's another one of those deals, you know. I, I'm around people that like Jr. 
and that may sound as egotistical as hell, but when you've, you've been in a situation like me this year, where, you know, my wife and I were, married, were together 25 years. She was my rock. She was my Steelers fan. She was a, a great Italian cook. She was a Pittsburgh girl. You know, she was a Bruno fan, all that good stuff. Uh, Ten years younger than me, and just was wonderful. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to mask my uh, emotions by being around wrestling fans and and people I work with and the you know WWE work, access work, and it's not just well you're strong, Jr. I'm not really strong at all, guys. I'm just I'm a, I'm a, I fake this stuff damn good. I'm hurting, but this allows me to heal a little bit. So. There's a lot of motivations for doing these shows and these signings and the, le- the icons of wrestling, all those things. That I really, really look forward to them. I need to be there, and I need to see people and, and hug and shake hands and take pictures. It's big for me. It's bigger now than it's ever been. And I'll just dispel all the rumors now. We will not be the surprise guest uh, in the New York show. So uh, I just want to put the rumors to rest before we get out of hand here. But, Jr., you know, I definitely I have to ask this now. You're starting to hit cities Again, here, coming back to D.C., has there been one city that completely knocked your socks off that you might have underestimated going in? Oh, golly. Uh, We've had some, uh, I guess, you know, uh, I never thought when we did three shows, we did three shows, and some of my management team and some of my, uh, my associates were a little leery of me wanted to book three shows at WrestleMania in Dallas. And we had the House of Blues booked. It has thousands, about 1,000 capacity. We sold out three shows in Dallas. And uh, I honestly thought we'd sell out one, maybe two. But to go clean all three of them was pretty extraordinary. Uh, but I, I the Dallas was probably the most, uh, uh, the biggest surprise. But, you know, uh, gosh, Chicago's been good, as you would expect. Um uh, there's markets I haven't played. I haven't played L.A. yet. I haven't, I haven't played Oklahoma even. I, I'm, I'm still we're still working our way through these things. But uh, you know, I did the, the thing in Charlotte was good with the uh, N.W.A. Legends. Um, I don't remember any bad houses. I don't remember any houses where we had a, a we had a we had some challenges because of weather uh, in New Jersey one time. But it was still a pretty decent house. Uh, but. It's been good, you know. I don't overbook my venues. We, venues are, you know, average size. The thousand seater in Dallas was bigger than we've ever used, uh, but that was uh, that was good. And we sold out, you know, we sold out in uh, in San Jose on WrestleMania weekend there in Santa Clara, and that's where I brought out Samoa Joe as a surprise, and he hadn't started WWE yet. And I think I, the match we're all going to see in Dallas at. Uh, Great Balls of Fire was the match I booked that day and three years ago where it was in uh, in California because I personally wanted to see Lesnar and Samoa Joe uh, get after it. So finally that match is here, and uh, I'm excited about that. But nonetheless, every market's been fun, uh, but some of them are just a little bit bigger venues than others. But once you get on stage, you generally can't see how big it is anyway, so... Uh, but I'm having fun. I'm better at it now than I was when I first started, and I'm very, very uh, appreciative of the fact that we get great support on these shows. 
Now, JR, as we start to wind it down a bit here, I mean, we've talked about so many great things, New Japan, what you're doing with WWE. I got to know, though, who is your favorite wrestler ever to call in the ring? I mean, calling The Undertaker's last match, awesome job in the 90s calling Sting, and then later with Steve Austin and the Attitude Era. There's some guys you really, really get up for. Who's your favorite guy to call in the ring? Well, you know, that would be like me telling you which of my two daughters I like the better, and I can't, I can't really do that. I can tell you that every generation's had their guy. Uh, in the Mid-South, it was a junkyard dog. He, he created more excitement, pandemonium, and raw emotion than anybody we had on the roster. Uh, and dog was very, very special. Uh, he wasn't the best wrestler on our roster, but he was the biggest star on the roster. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, when I first went to WWE, was the first time I had the opportunity to call matches for Bret Hart. And I just, then and I feel now uh, that he's one of the all-time greats in any generation. So being able to call Bret Hart matches for the first time in my career and his was a big, big deal for me, and it still is. Uh, But then you get into that attitude era, and there's so damn many. We had a locker room full of main event guys that uh, loved to compete with each other. And... So, you know, the leader of the pack in the Attitude Era was Stone Cold. And uh, he's still one of my best friends. Uh, Through his personal issues, marital issues, my marital issues, other things, uh, he has been, uh, we've become great great friends. And uh, obviously uh, when The Rock got hot, which didn't take long, uh, he was another one. I had an emotional investment in these guys. I signed them. I, you know, I, I was the guy there. I was in, I was in charge of talent, uh, and so I had a, I had a big invest in those guys. Mick Foley, the great, one of the great. I've always said Dallas Page is the greatest overachiever I've ever been around, but if he's not, then Mick Foley might be. Uh, Mick is a, uh, you know, just overachieved everything that we we anticipated. He's a, a treasure to be around too. So it's hard when you when you're in that role of you're hiring the guys, and you're managing them, and you're booking them. And you're doing the payroll, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it's a uh, it's hard to pick that one guy out. But you know, Undertaker was always the conscious of the locker room. Uh, he was the captain of the team. Uh, he still is in my eyes. Uh, so so many fellows. I've been really blessed with some. You know, signing John Cena, who was a worker for a movie company, doing a, driving a limo. Uh, when I saw him in uh, L.A. for Rick Bassman's organization. And see where he's evolved. It's been it's heartwarming, you know, those guys. And it's amazing how many millionaires, how many talents that we sign that have that have become legit millionaires. Uh, and I feel really cool that and happy that we could be a little bit a part of that of that opportunity to, to afford them the opportunity. But boy, they ran on the ball. So all those guys. But I guess the top of the list, if I had to pick one guy, is going to be Stone Cold. Nice. I love it. I knew you, I almost knew you were going to go there because obviously that is so synonymous. The Attitude Era, you calling, you know, Stone Cold, Stone Cold, Stone Cold. But, you know, everyone, or they should know, or at least we know, you're the greatest play-by-play announcer of all time, the greatest commentator of all time. But few people may not realize you're probably the greatest head of talent relations they've ever had. But on the flip side, who do you think was like the worst signing you ever had? Could you kind of just mention maybe a guy or two that, that didn't pan out the way you thought he might? Well, I can tell you that the uh, we, I've said this before in my shows during the Q and A. That's one of the great things about our ringside shows, in my opinion, is that the uh, 
the the Q and A section because I don't I don't take the questions in advance. They're not censored. Uh, I don't know what the fans are going to ask, and they can ask anything they choose. Uh, if you're nice enough to buy a ticket and come see me, then you know, golly, I'm not going to I'm not going to censor you. You're going to say what you want to say. So or ask what you want to ask. Uh, I said this before. I thought we really – I had one class. We had one class. should say we. We had one class that had Cena, Orton, Batista, Lesnar, and Shelton Benjamin. Arguably the best athlete of the entire group was Shelton Benjamin. And I didn't think that we as a team in the talent relations side did everything that we could do uh, to – Make help make Sheldon a bigger star. Uh, as far as his personality and his and his his, his uh, verbalizing and things like that, so I thought we really dropped the ball on uh, Sheldon. I, and I, I'll st- I'm, I'm taking the hit on that deal. You know, I I, I should have pushed harder. I should have pushed creative harder. And that was sometimes an issue there at WWE where I I had the talent's interest and Vince's interest at heart. And sometimes that counter was counterproductive to what the creative wanted, uh, and that don't mean they were wrong and I was right. It just means we had different difference of opinion. But Shelton was I, I was disappointed in how we uh, developed Shelton. I thought he should be a, a really a you know a bigger star in hindsight than he was. And you got to be able to evaluate these these kids and say what what do we need to do to help them. And uh, I don't think we did enough to help Shelton uh, get over, so to speak. I remember, you guys might remember this too. Do you remember the match Shelton Benjamin had with Shawn Michaels? Oh, absolutely. Monday Night Raw. No no yeah. doubt. It was a it was a, an amazing athletic wrestling match. Now of course you got Shawn Michaels in there who if 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 Shawn Michaels is if Ric Flair is number one in all time in all areas, Shawn Michaels has got to be one A in my in my in my in the, in the JR poll. Uh and so, yeah, I'll give Sean all the credit in the world because he deserves it. But golly, man, Shelton Benjamin didn't – Sean didn't have to back up a step. It was no slowdown. It was a beautiful match. It was a killer match. And then I remember uh, there was another match Shelton had. I thought it was somebody – oh, he, he killed it in those damn ladder matches, TLCs. Some of the things he did athletically were jaw-dropping. So when you get a guy like that that's got great timing and athleticism, is strong, he's, he has the greatest – Shelton always had the greatest attribute that any pro wrestler can have on my roster back in the day, reliability. I don't care how good you are, how big your arms are, how you look at an 8 by 10 how many times you've been a national champion, blah, blah, blah. If I can't depend on you, then all that good stuff I just mentioned means nothing. And Shelton was a hardworking – a uh, South Carolina guy that had a lot of class and integrity, and I just thought that, in hindsight, we could have probably done a better job of bringing that personality out in him. And, and uh, so I've always had that regret because I think the world of the guy still do. And I'm sure there are others. You know, I have to give it some thought. If I had some time to think about some of the disappointments, you know, the thing about it is that I don't know if they're really disappointments because everybody's not going to make it, and you know that when you sign them that some of them aren't going to make it. You know that everybody's not going to headline WrestleMania. But that's what you, you, you recruit for. You recruit to that in hopes that you might get a hit. And uh, so that's kind of where we are with that deal. I just 
there are a lot of guys that could have been better. And sometimes the guys themselves uh, had self-inflicted wounds to where, you know, you, you couldn't really invest in them because you weren't sure that they were reliable. And I don't want to get into all that because that's the same thing I was bitching about earlier about people, you know, raising hell with me. Uh, and, they, and, I, and, and, and just for the sake of getting noticed, I guess, as you guys mentioned. But I, I uh, sometimes the talents were not ready. To, some talents wanted to be a main eventer until you got them in, ready to be in the main event spot where they were going to close the show. And some guys just were not mentally prepared to be the show closer. Couldn't handle the responsibility. And you don't know that sometimes until you get them in the game and they're in that role. And then you see, uh-oh, he can't handle it. So, uh, I don't know. I, 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 we've had, we had some great talents. We just, we were very blessed. We were very, and, and right now, the, the talent pool in wrestling in general right now is pretty damn amazing, I think. I think it's, like I said earlier, I said this in my show all the time, it's a great time to be a wrestling fan. There's a lot of good product out there at all levels, indies. You know the smaller promotions, uh, ROH. You know they got some great talents. You want you hope that Impact uh, rebounds and 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 can become profitable and successful. It's good for the business. It's good for those guys and their families. So uh, I think all wrestling fans are incumbent, fellas, to support wrestling. Obviously, you're gonna like some brands, some presentations better than others, but the but the ones you like less don't need to be gut and quartered. They don't need to be crucified. Uh, and that's what I see a lot. And that's what I, – I, I read certain websites. I don't go in a lot of them. I don't need to hear somebody's, you know, why something don't work. I like to hear you – know, does the glass always have to be, golly, half empty? Can it not be half full? So uh, that's, that's just personal choice. The negativity is not, not cool. It's not becoming of a good wrestling fan, I don't think. And look – as wrestling fans, we get the hell beat out of us anyway by our buddies and our peers for being a fan of pro wrestling. You guys have heard it. I guarantee you've heard it, and I've heard it all my life. Uh, you know, I had, I've had, I've had marriages that swung the bad way because wrestling was not desirable. The business wasn't desirable, and whether I've made a mistake or not, I, I unfortunately at times chose the business over my my family, and that was something I wish I had a chance to do over. I'd, I'd addressed it differently, but uh, I talk about that in my book uh, about that and some really revealing stuff in that regard. So I'm, I'm uh, I just again I think it's a great time to be a fan and and uh, I look forward to work with you guys on uh, Saturday, August the 12th in uh, good old Philadelphia, and I guarantee you we'll be eating some uh, cheesesteaks. <laughs> Absolutely, Jr. We can't wait to get to August 12th. It's going to be absolutely awesome. The Icons of Wrestling Convention and all the information is on our Facebook page as well as Brown Paper Tickets, and you can search JR Icons. You will get all the information there. And, JR, before we wrap it up, please share with the fans and the listeners. Obviously, we've had so many great stories here, but where else can they hear the good old JR podcast as well as the new book that's coming out and anything else going on in the world of the Hall of Famer, Jim Ross? Well, I tell, uh, I tell this. And I, I was kind of ribbing on the square, as the boys say. Uh, by the world's loneliest website, uh, jrsbarbecue.com. And on that, it has all the ticket information for all my events, uh, how to order the book, all that good stuff. My book will be out with Skyhorse Publishing in, in mid-October this year. You can order it in advance now. It's been the number one pre-order book on, uh, of its uh, category on 
Amazon uh, several times the last few weeks. So it's getting a lot of good orders, so I'm really very thankful for that. Uh, so the book will be out in October. My podcast is where everybody, pretty much everybody's podcast can be found, uh, Apple uh, Podcast. Podcast One is my company that I work with, podcastone.com. And uh, a new show drops every uh, Tuesday night, 9 o'clock Eastern. So I encourage folks to subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, and the, the show will be automatically downloaded into the device that you choose. So I'm having fun doing that. And, uh, you know, just I, 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 the great thing about this is none of this stuff feels like work to me. Now, I got fatigued in, in L.A. After, after the shows were all done. You did, you know, we did a, lot, did a volume of work. Uh, and it was high-level work as far as what doing golf. We're, we're getting, we're, 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 you know, gut buster type stuff. Uh, but boy, I'm having a blast right now. It's just a, like I said, I really believe it's a super time to be a fan. I enjoy watching Ring of Honor. I enjoy, I'm, I'm pulling for TNA. As we're taping this, I'm watching a little bit of TNA, or M, not TNA anymore. Thank God they changed the name for that oh, horrible. I, I never liked it. Oh, really? It was, it was a, it was the old eyebrow, a wink, you know, eyebrows up, all that bullshit people talk about. It was a lousy name. It's never, it was never a good name. Impact Wrestling's a fine name. Uh, Global Force, GFW, fine. But, God, that TNA thing, you got to give me a break. Come on. Because uh, the first thing you think about is salacious, unless, unless you don't have a problem with tits and ass. And I apologize for saying that, but that's, that's what most average people think about, and especially a male target demo. So uh, I'm, I'm pulling for all these guys, but it's really fun to be a fan right now. And all guys like you and me, we have our podcast. Who would have, who, who have thought this would even be possible 10 years ago? So business continues to evolve. It's up to all of us to maintain our uh, uh, what's going on and, and understand the changes and so forth. So it's it's a really cool time, and I'm just really blessed that I'm a part of it, and my health's good, and uh, the fans are loyal. They, they they appreciate what contributions I've been able to make, and I just love the fact that I have a chance, like in Philly or the one-man shows in D.C. or wherever, New York, to give back. And uh, so it's all good. It's Life is good. And uh, I, I have to get up every day with that attitude because it's very easy to you know, get watered, you know, get bogged down in negativity. And I just really want to stay away from all that. No, very well said and a great way to wrap it. And, of course, you keep saying the business is, uh, is, is doing well. It's getting bigger. I always say a wise man once told us, Business is about to pick up, and I think that that's uh, that's going to be happening. And Jr., this has been great, and we look forward to seeing you August twelfth in Philadelphia at Icons of Wrestling. It's going to be one hell of a slobber knocker. I hope so. I'll be there, guys. Looking forward to it very much. And thank, hey, as the old timers used to say, thanks for the booking. Thanks for listening to the two man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.